Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where the discussion ranges from employee safety, environmental protection, policy creation, training methods, employee engagement, and everything in between. Your host is Dr. Mark French. As an industrial and organizational psychologist and certified safety professional, he's going to share information and anecdotes from years of experience in the people side of safety. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It is a motivational need that defines the culture of your organization. Employee safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone through direct behavioral engagement. That is why your organization should be using safety as a key method to learn about your culture and lead your teams. Thanks for joining this episode as we talk through current issues in EHS and how they impact our everyday workplace. Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. I'm your host, Mark. So happy you could join me. As always, we chat through those things, environmental health, safety, and we focus on leadership and learning and how do we better understand our team? How do we better protect people as we go through the world of what is modern day safety in the workplace? And so we'll get started. Something we've been talking about for a long time, and I can't see how we're not going to be talking about it in the future and for some unknown amount of time, but I can definitely see that it's going to keep going for a while. And that is COVID-19. We've been living this for quite some time, especially as safety professionals, and we've really had to adapt. I know I have to this changing landscape of keeping up with what's going on uh, from both the side of having to make policy for a location, but also as someone who does contracting and has to prepare their team to go into a situation where the needs and rules and changes have to be aware. Uh, There's been times we've sent people out to do work and they've been turned right back around because they didn't have everything they needed, uh, like proof of vaccination at the time that they were showing up because we didn't know at the time that that location wanted it. So we we are definitely transversing some new realms in the world of health and safety. And we I want to talk about a little bit what has changed this week. And we've had some changes. Certainly there's the federal contract requirement that uh, vaccination requirement that's out there that's been published. Uh, certainly we've been looking at that. But what's new is that as the time that I'm recording this, and it could change at any moment, is that the emergency temporary standard from OSHA went into the hands of the executive branch uh, earlier in the week, a couple days ago, from the time I'm recording this, and not a lot was known. The acting OSHA director did say that they took into account uh, the comments they had been getting, even though there's not a comment period on an ETS. There is a lot of people who are interested in talking about it and throwing opinions out there. And most articles I've read have also said that they are fully prepared for this to be legally challenged. They know whatever they publish is going to be fought. And so that leaves the safety professional in in quite a bind as we don't know what's there. And I am one, personally, I don't like to borrow trouble. I like to be the one that thinks about what kind of trouble is out there, but I'm not Now, I used to be one that would get worked up about all the alternatives and variables and which direction can it go. 
Certainly my planning for what could happen. Yeah, I've got some very big, broad, 50,000-foot view uh, ideas of what may have to change, potentially. And we don't know. And I think that's what's frustrating, is we don't know. We're not sure what that final draft is going to look like. We're not sure how it will affect organizations. We're not sure how it will affect remote working. As the workplace has dynamically changed in the past year and a half. Uh, from an HR standpoint, I think we're learning, and this is something I've thought is true for a long time, is that why do we have such large, beautiful buildings for headquarters? There are times where collaboration and the need for people to be there has to be, absolutely. But I think a lot of it has been just old ways of doing it, that remote work is working. And how will that affect, how will this OSHA mandate affect them that are maybe lower risk because they work from home? And how is that going to affect the way that we make our policies? And already there's challenges in the court system. So United Airlines is one of the biggest ones that I continue to watch is that they have been accused of discrimination, that they didn't treat the ADA accommodations for medical versus religious accommodation the same, that there were subtle differences potentially, or that it was unfair the way it was handled. And for COVID vaccination, 100% vaccination requirement, and that's being tested, and that's going to lead a lot. And it's interesting how this labor law, even though OSHA is labor law, I get that, but the way that the ADA and OSHA are really having to tie together in the situation, that HR and safety are having to work hand-in-hand -hand lockstep to figure this one out. And this seems really overly complicated from the process standpoint. From everything else I've done in safety and all the regulations I've had to learn, most of them come back to a pretty basic premise and a basic process that you can follow to protect your team. Some of them certainly get convoluted when you get into the details. It gets weird. It doesn't take into account some of the risk factors. But overall, if you go back and you really look at some of the standards, they're pretty basic and they are in place because of certain reasons, usually because of significant occupational fatalities that things this is happening. And so you see on one end that workers' compensation trends are lowering year after year. And I'm even seeing now in a lot of the insurance digest that most states are still predicting that they're predicting reductions in workers' compensation insurance, that your rates may be a little bit lower, even in the face of COVID last year. And that, to me, has some very odd indications. I'm not being political. I am just trying to follow the facts and I guess I want to spark some discussion, too. Should we protect our people? Yes. Is there reasonable ways to protect your workforce? Yes. Should you be doing that? Yes. Human harm is bad, especially in the workplaces, which is what we focus on. But in the face of all that we've done in COVID, insurance rates are going to lower. And yet we're going to continue to push for some significant emergency legislation for occupational safety. And I think one of the inter more interesting arguments I continue to see is that how can we say that this is mostly occupational? Because OSHA is worried about occupational risk. 
how are we saying this is mostly occupational when bars, restaurants, shopping malls, shopping locations, um, anywhere a group concerts, anything of this sort, you could gather together and potentially catch this disease. Schools, even. So you're, you're a parent and your kid's in school. They come home. They could bring it to you. Where is it that we're preventing an occupational exposure and how is this going to affect that? And I think that's going to be the key hinge point of some of the arguments along with the whole like ADA requirement. And it is so complicated <laughs> and we don't know. And it's, it's almost like we're worrying about it and we don't know what's there. And I don't like that. I, I'm not one that does well um, playing in the gray area. I can do it, uh, but I don't really enjoy it. I like to know. I like to see what's happening. And this is something that we've not had a very clear view into. It's almost like they want to uh, pull the curtain off and go, surprise, here's your emergency temporary standard. And I don't think that's going to be effective. I don't think that builds trust. I don't think that builds the relationship with our employees and the protections we're trying to build with our employees in the right way. I think we should have had more visibility into the thought processes that were going into this that we just don't. Anyway, again, not good or bad or indifferent. It's a discussion. And it's something we're going to have to react to as safety people or as people who care about the safety of our employees. We're going to be ready to lead this. We're going to be ready to talk about it. And it is going to be complicated, no doubt. And a lot of questions are already coming, for sure. Going to take a short break. More podcasts coming up in just a minute. You've got a friend in the safety business. Who wants to help your team work safer? The safety dude. Who wants to help your leadership engage through safety? Again, the safety dude. Who is there to take your safety systems to the next level? That's right, the safety dude. Who has the knowledge and skill to drive safety ownership? You know it, the safety dude. So who is the safety dude? Dr. Mark French is an experienced and credentialized safety professional with a focus on the organizational psychology of your company. You can find a safety dude at TSD Amalgamated Safety Consulting, where he is ready to focus on your team's safety www.tsdamoglamated.com Welcome back to the second half of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So I want to kind of segue. Usually I take the second half and move into a whole different aspect of safety. But in this case, I'm going to take a little segue. I'm going to take what we are knowing about the COVID vaccine and kind of apply it to real life. And what is happening, especially what I'm seeing in some workplaces and talking to some other safety people and looking at the news, is there's a lot of fear because there are some people who have chosen not to take the vaccine, good, bad, and different choices. That is their choice and certainly rights available. And again, no political discussion involved. It is what it is. And there's worry about how this will affect their work. Will they be terminated? Will they have to go through an AD accommodation? How will that work? What will happen? And it's created this interesting fear pocket. And fear is something we don't like to have a lot of in the world of safety. Fear, in, in some cases, it, it can be useful. And I'll talk about that in a minute. 
But when this fear creates, it's the fear of the unknown. And when people have an unknown, they'll go into almost a cognitive dissonance. And what they try to do is create their own reality based on their history, based on who they are, based on what they've seen, based on their primary beliefs. They will create their reality. And because as an organization right now, we don't know, but we keep seeing the news that is telling us that this is coming, that this big deal is going to happen. And you see these lawsuits and you hear, read these news stories of people who are losing their job. It's scary and it's creating that fear and it's creating the best way I heard it is that when someone's job is at stake, it creates a distraction from safety. So let's go back to Maslow's hierarchy. I talk about that a lot. I love Maslow's hierarchy. For me, it was like a giant light exploded in my head the first time I saw it. And what Maslow said is that to progress as a human, we have to have certain things. First, food, water, and shelter. That's what we seek first. Without food, water, and shelter, we're not moving up in anything. The second one is safety. Once we have food, water, and shelter, we want to feel safe. Then we will form teams. We will become a family unit. Then we will seek appreciation. We will do things actively to just get ahead and to be appreciated and to be, I guess, recognized. And then finally, as your fully self-aware person who is doing things and actively problem solving and really innovating in life. And at the very bottom of that pyramid is safety and your physiological needs. Physiological needs are first because you you don't really focus as much on safety when you're worried about your food, water, and shelter. And in the modern day, having a job is that food, water, and shelter and providing for your family and all the things we are expected to do and have to do. So when that is at risk or even the belief, it doesn't have to be actually at risk. It's the feeling or the personal belief that it is at risk. It erodes that bottom part of the hierarchy of needs, that motivation. And the core motivation becomes self-survival. It becomes a distraction to everything above it. So let's say you've established safety, you've established team building, you've had a great um, motivational process as part of your workforce, as part of the engagement of your team. Now there is this worry and this unknown worry And it's something that as a safety professional, I I can only say that we are going to do everything we can to evaluate it. We're going to do everything we can to protect our team. We're going to do everything we can to comply with the law. We're going to do everything we can in the best interest of our people. But at the end of the day, that's a lot of just unknowns still. And with that, people are going to create their own reality. And that reality might be that they're really worried about what can happen next. And that is becoming a very big distraction in our workplace. And I'm sure you probably are experiencing the same thing I'm seeing out there. It's tough to find people. It's a very competitive market for a lot of jobs. And so it's hard to find good people who want to fit in with the organization anyway. And so you start to erode what you've built in your culture at the very core of their motivational need. This is something that's hard to rebuild. It's something that's hard to overcome. And now it's a huge distraction for what we are trying to do with safety. 
because our team is now worried about that safety may be the reason they may not have a job. And that's scary. It's scary in a lot of ways, and it's concerning in a lot of ways, because even after this is over, even after this is published, after they reveal the curtain and the great and powerful Oz steps out and we have to deal with it, we still don't know what's there until that happens. And that is a very scary moment especially for someone in, in safety. Cause we've been used to be like, we've been brought up and even like early education and safety. A lot of these laws are not really revolutionary. Um, they've been around a long time. And so safety engineering is evolving. We're getting better at it. We're creating and innovating, but as far as dealing with new laws, a lot of them, because they take so long and there's so much discussion in the process, you can follow along and you can generally get that idea of what is it going to look like? How is it going to affect me? How many years or decades do I have to prepare for it? This isn't going to be that way. It doesn't feel like it feels like it's going to be sudden. It feels like there's going to be a lot of challenges. It feels like there's going to be a lot of unknowns. And I hope not. I hope it's. I hope it's fair. I hope it's clear. I hope it's helpful. I hope it protects and saves people. But I'm also worried about the cultural erosion because we don't know right now. And it is scaring and creating distractions. And it's creating distractions for what we're trying to do in safety now. Without that. Because without COVID, we're still worried about lockout, tagout. We're still worried about hot work. We're still worried about guarding. We're still worried about doing line breaking. We're still worried about electrical hazards. We're still worried about confined spaces. We're still worried about lifting and moving and doing. And we can't be distracted from those things because we've got to still protect our team from those things that are out there. And having COVID and this mandate potentially hanging over and distracting us from the important part of safety, we've been having to really double up. And I wonder if you've seen that. I'm curious. I'd be interested to know how much extra work you've had to put into assuring that your team still understands that all the other safety stuff we're doing can't be forgotten. And we got to keep thinking about those because a fall from a roof is still awful and shouldn't happen. And we've got to be protecting our team from those items just as much as we're looking forward to what could be coming from this OSHA emergency temporary standard. And I know a lot of work has been going into communication and and not just communication about COVID, but communication about general uh, high impact safety, your SIF, your, your serious incident and fatalities. We've got to keep a big focus on that, along with keeping driving any safety initiatives that we've started already. It's a very tricky time and a lot of effort is going into it. And I think we're all going to be happy when all of this is behind us from this standpoint we can find new ways innovative ways to protect our team but certainly we the, the realm of the safety world has changed anyway thanks for walking along with me this journey of culture and until next time that we chat stay safe listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the web at www. 
thesafetydude.org. All opinions expressed on the program are solely the view of the individual and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast.